Welcome to Troubleshooting Innovation, a commercial baking podcast. Sponsored by Reading Bakery Systems, RBS, the world's leading manufacturer of automated systems for baked snack production, continuous mixing, and oven profiling. I'm your host, Joni Spencer, Editor-in-Chief for the Commercial Baking Media Group, and I'm speaking with industry expert Dave Vanlar as we unpack all the pain points that come with innovation and product development and discover new ways to overcome them. This week, we'll be talking about knowledge transfer and what the old school bakers can teach the incoming generation about the baking process. Hi, Dave. Good morning, Joni. So Dave, we all know there's a shortage of skilled workers coming into the industry, but this week, I wanna talk about how to develop the workforce that's already here. So I know there's a lot of knowledge that needs to be transferred to this new generation, and I'd love to talk to you about what that looks like. It is certainly a hot topic. There's no question. And I know you have a lot of insight into this particular topic, so I'm excited to dive into this with you. Well, when you're in the trenches, Joni, you can't help but uh, call it a crisis because that's exactly what it has been. Right. And it's not only finding those workers, but it's developing the skills of the workers that are actually here. No question. That That is one of the biggest things. And that uh, that goes back to some fundamentals that people talk about regularly on developing people, and that's job satisfaction. And we talked also about how to make this a career and not just a job. And what are we doing as an industry to do that? How are we helping our people understand that they're part of a bigger whole that's actually fun? I've loved this industry for 45 years. And how how can we impart some of that to the people that are out there today to encourage them to make this a career and jump on all those opportunities that are available out there in baking? Exactly, exactly. And, you know, I think there's a common misconception from outside of the industry that I recognized relatively early on in covering this industry. And that's that when it comes to automation, people outside of the industry have a tendency to assume that baking companies are just trying to eliminate jobs and and lower that headcount when it's actually automation is helping accommodate for that lack of workforce. In 40 years, I can honestly say that we have never automated and deleted anyone from the workforce. I don't believe that's ever happened. We've automated as we continue to grow. Uh, One plant I was in, we went from, I think, um, 50 million pounds to 100 million pounds of production with the same employees. So, you know, no one left. Uh, We had some people trend through. But automation is not there just to replace people by any means. Exactly right. So um, how is automation sort of helping make the job easier for these new bakers coming in who haven't had the opportunity to grasp that art and science of baking? But, you know, and, and one thing that we found when we had that significant growth was that people that were just working the line previously became operators. They became line engineer type people. And that gave them more career satisfaction, I believe. Um, Running a machine is a little more rewarding than picking up cookies all day long and putting them in a tray. But some of the things we've done over the years to help the whole process is, for instance, barcode scanning on uh, ingredients in the mixing room. Mistakes in mixing are something that no one wants to talk about, but they occur regularly. 
The problem is that when those mistakes happen, most people try to cover it up and send that dough down the line, which just makes it harder for everyone else. So barcode scanning was in, instituted in several areas. Number one, to make sure they're putting the right ingredient in the mixer. Uh, it also made it easier to control lot tracking. Uh, that has become so crucial in our environment of uh, allergens today. The other thing we have is the formula on the screen today. Um, we know, as you know, this generation that uh, we're, is coming up behind us, they are uh, uh, screen people. They are see it and, uh, on the video and then work with it. And I think all those things make their job easier um, as long as they follow the procedures that are established out there. So I want to talk a little bit about something you said that really struck me, and that's job satisfaction. And it made me think of a bakery I visited that had significantly increased its automation in the process and gone from a, a mostly manual process to an actual mostly automated process. And what it did, it didn't eliminate any jobs, but it actually created choices for those workers in where they wanted to be on the line, because when things were automated, it opened up options, especially for women. Can you talk a little bit about some of the options that automation has brought to create that job satisfaction? As I mentioned earlier, the operators' jobs became available, and that starts with training. The education to run the machines, now we're going from just picking something up and placing it down to actually running a piece of equipment. And, and there are certain people that just did not want to take on that responsibility. They wanted to do just you know, what they had always done, but those were few and far between. Most people wanted to jump at an opportunity to train. Uh, last place I was, we actually developed a, a training program. We had three trainers. Uh, we realized the importance of, of training. So we had three trainers just bringing those people along. Uh, in a plant of 300 people, uh, I think 150 had operator-type jobs. Wow. So then let's take it just a step further. Automation, it makes life easier. It creates choices. But it can't really teach that art and science of baking. A truly only experience can do that, right? There is no question. And that's one thing that I think has been misunderstood People will always try to cut corners. I've seen that forever. They think it makes their job easier. They can take longer breaks, longer rest periods, but it actually makes it harder for everyone else on the line. Uh, for instance, lay time, and that's one of my favorite subjects because it has a significant impact on the rest of the line most of the time. So if that lay time varies significantly because the mixer wants to get ahead and take a longer lunch break, then oven adjustments are required then the quality parameters begin to vary. Then the packaging department sees a different product and the operators start to make adjustments there. By the time that's all settled down, the mixer comes back from break and does it all the way he's supposed to do it. And then the line goes through the same ritual to get it back to specification. So when people cut corners, when people cheat, even with automation, it's possible. Uh, they can mess up the process. It's true. You can't cheat the system, right? <laughs> We've always been looking at ways to fix, if you will, that human interface. Uh, the reality is people will always find ways to do it a little bit better, maybe. 
This episode is brought to you by Reading Bakery Systems, a global leader in bakery and snack solutions. When it comes to producing consistently great cookies, innovation is the key ingredient. The RBS Genesis Pro Series offers the most advanced, efficient, and reliable equipment on the market. For cookies, biscuits, bars, and filled products, RBS has the technology and experience you need to bake your best products every day. Reading Bakery Systems, your partner in baking innovation. Learn more at readingbakery.com. So I talked to a baker once who said he, he sung the praises of automation, but he just echoed the same sentiment that you have, that there's more to it than pushing a button. And that's what's missing with this new generation is that we make it easier that all they have to do is push the button. But to your point, one, that's not going to keep them in our workforce. It's not going to create job satisfaction. But two, it's also not going to teach them about baking. So what can these old school bakers teach the new bakers and what are the key traits that they have to impart on them to understand the process? Joni, I think as you and I have talked often, uh, education is so critical in this industry. Uh, we assume people know some things uh, about what they're doing, when in reality, they've just been put into a job and told what to do, not the whys or hows of what they're doing. Um, we need to show them. We need to show them by example. Uh, we need to show them how their job is, affects the rest of the bakery and how changes that they make affects the rest of the uh, jobs of everyone else in there. You know, that, that, that debate of art versus science is never going to end, I don't believe. And I've especially seen new managers come into this industry and argue the science over the art of baking. They want to make the process foolproof for the employees. And the reality, and not the excuse, but the reality is we're dealing with highly variable inputs. Look at the variables in flour, for instance. It's our major ingredient, the variables that are out of our control. The most significant variable in the process will always be those variables. But I, I love the quote Dr. Ifrin Hashmi of Grain Corp explains, two lots of flour are never exactly the same. A perfectly standardized flour is impossible from mill to mill and even less from crop year to crop year. If that's the case, how do we make baking more scientific? Can we take scientific measurement to help determine the final product? Dr. Hashmi goes on to explain the baking characteristics of flour are not definitively indicated by chemical tests. So here's an expert knows much more about the process of wheat and flour is telling me that they're just not going to be able to make that a science. It's always going to be a variable. Wow. And you know, that kind of makes me think any kid who said I'm never going to have to use math in real life didn't become a baker. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's interesting. One of the tests we do is a basic math test so often for employees because, you know, they, they do have to add. Mm -hmm. They do have to read things. Uh, we can make it easier. For instance, when you have uh, products going into a mix and they have lots of different 
types of numbering systems and lots of different types of lot code systems. If you make those standardized, it's so much easier for the employee to do their job and you actually get better results. Right, right. And so I feel like you have to understand the rules. This kind of goes with, um, as a journalist, it's it's kind of how I feel about grammar. You have to understand those parameters and understand those rules in order to properly bend them. But look at grammar today, Joni. <laughs> it's, it's, we don't teach cursive. We don't, you know, you are as you are, you know, not your. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's a whole other thing now. So we're facing that everywhere. I imagine that makes you cringe about as much as it does me uh, see somebody cheat on a mix. <laughs> yeah, but you have to understand, like, you, if you understand those parameters and you understand the rules and, like you said, the why behind what you're doing, then you'll be able to make those adjustments to solve for X properly. Absolutely. And that that only to me comes from hands-on experience. One way or another, either passed down or taught. You know, and our forefathers and mothers in the biscuit and cracker industry realized that over 50 years ago. You know, the BCMA developed programs and, and they were training programs, education programs written by these bakers because even back then, 50 years ago, they knew that these people would be retiring. And how do we pass this information along? So they established those education programs to pass on that knowledge. Now, this is not an advertisement. It's, it's a fact. It's a fact. And it's one that really amazes me that more people do not take advantage of. Uh, those programs are now available through the ABA, the Bakers Manufacturing Academy. And, and they're written by bakers for bakers. And that's just not the sales claim. You know, that's exactly what they do. There is a significant amount of science in those courses. And if we go back to that science versus art discussion, if you tell me there's more science than art, I'm going to ask you, so what are you doing to teach your people that science? Okay, because science is more discreet than the art. I think they would all argue. But those courses do exactly that. It takes a kernel of wheat and it turns it into a loaf of bread or a cookie, whatever, you, whatever you're making. You can't perfect that art without a solid understanding of the science behind it. I could not agree with you more. And, you know, those courses and the education offerings through the associations are so important. And we talked a little bit about that during our roundtable discussion during EBA Connecting Experts, how, you know, back in the day, it was such a privilege to go to the BCMA Tech Conference, which is now ABA TechCon. Um, but it's harder now when you it's hard to be gone from the plant for three to five days. So do you think that there is a responsibility for these veteran bakers to be teaching in the plant, like taking time to say, hey, let me show you this. Let, let me talk you through this. Again, we talk about generational uh, issues and things between uh, one generation to the next. And sometimes I do not understand. I've got a grandson that's getting married this summer. And um, I went to his apartment in Buckhead, as you all well know, Buckhead in Atlanta is the, uh, what we would say, the yuppie area. <laughs> and and I, I said, that's my grandson. What's, what's he doing down here, you know, drinking this coffee and taking his puppy to breakfast with him? Um, you know, it's a different generation. We need to understand that. Uh, when we go forward with that, it's still baking is such a hands-on 
experience. I remember watching these older uh, bakers and just marveling at what they could do, but also wishing I could do some of what they were doing. Um, we, I, I'll give you an example. I conducted an education class at a, at a major bakery. Uh, when I toured the plant, I asked the management how they controlled the lay time. And they were proud. They showed me their mixing area and showed me that it was impossible to cheat because they only had one dotro and there's no way that the mixer could mix ahead. They took everything away, all the variables away. So during the training session, I purposely did not invite any management into the uh, portion of the class. I really wanted to get to some of the truth because they had been talking about the variables on the line and about their issues. So when I asked the class how their mixer cheated to get longer breaks, they all kind of chuckled, laughed, and smiled and looked over at the mixer. He said, I don't know. But then one lady said, we're not sure how he does it, but the process changes drastically when he goes to lunch. And we also know he likes to take long lunches. So we know that people are going to tend to take shortcuts. They're going to tend to do what they think they should do rather than what they've been trained to do. But to talk about job satisfaction, I also taught a course on July 5th and 6th. And anybody that's worked in a plant knows that you have to work the day after a holiday to get paid for the holiday. So when we first started, I went around the room, introduced each other. And this seasoned lady of 25 years experience just looked at me and said, I don't want to be here. <laughs> the only reason I'm here is I don't get my holiday pay if I'm not here today. I don't want to be here. And sat there with her arms folded. <laughs> and I thought, great, this is a, ch I don't want to be here either if that's the way you're going to be about it. <laughs> so, so I, I said, there's a challenge right away. You know, I gave up my 4th of July to travel. Um, so we went around the room introduced and there were some several new people, several people less than a year because they were ramping back up. Uh, when we went to first break, before we went to break, the lady said, can I say something? And I said, well, certainly. You know, you've been pretty vocal so far. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I figured it was sayonara, chief. I'm out of here. But um, no, she said, hey, I'm glad I came. Wow. And I thought, wow, wow, that's incredible, you know, to see. And at the end of the second day, she had started working with a young new employee. And I heard her tell him, I'm going to make you a baker. Wow. Now, this is a lady in 48 hours that went from hating to be there to to uh, encouraging someone, to mentoring someone into the system. Now, don't tell me that it doesn't help to get people excited about their jobs. Oh, it absolutely helps. And it wasn't my education that did it. All I did was read from the script. It was just the people get exciting about what they do. Absolutely. When I first came into the commercial baking industry, I had a colleague, a coworker who introduced me to people in the industry and she'd pat me on the back and say, we're going to get flour running through her veins very soon. <laughs> <laughs> and it means a lot um, to have someone who is interested and cares in teaching you about what goes into making these products, that it's not just widgets on a line. No question about it. And and we're never going to eliminate that need for the human touch. So the more they know about that, 
the more they can look across the room, like the old timers would say, and that doll won't run. Right. You know, the more they can just look at it or touch it. Interestingly enough, one of the one of the most fun things I think in those classes is to talk about elasticity, and um, you, know, you can kind of figure out what that word means, but nobody uses it in their everyday uh, vocabulary. But we talk about the elasticity of dough, especially in cracker doughs, and and we explain it and do it. And the next day, one of the people came back and said, "I explained to my family all about elasticity, and I made a pizza last night just to show them what elasticity is all about." Wow! <laughs> you can't you can't wish for anything more than that. Give them a little bit of knowledge, and they really turn it into something special. Exactly. So that brings me to my next question. And, you know, they, they call them dough heads, those veteran bakers who can look at a dough or touch it or, you know, just use their senses to understand not only that there's a problem, but also what the problem is and how to fix it. Those are also the bakers who know there's something wrong with the equipment because it sounds a little bit off. How can they teach that to the to the new generation of bakers? How do, how can they teach them to use their senses like that? You know, it, it's it's difficult because that is something that's hard to capture in a video in a book. But we need to find ways to focus on that more. An example um, of that may be in a flower. You know, we measure certain quality parameters when we get a load of flour in. QA takes measurements. They do lots of different things to that. And then what I found over the years is they typically take all that information, they put it in a file in the back office, and that's where it stays unless someone asks for it. You know, why don't we hook them up with the production people and say, hey, there's a change in the protein in this flour just a little bit. To go back to Dr. Hashmi's comments about variability in flour, are we passing that on to our people so they can then see in the finished product or in the dough what's happening? So if I can associate higher protein with this reaction to the dough, I'm a lot better off. I've got a lot more information than I had before. Spread tests are something we did regularly. Do we pass that information on to the people in the plant? There's nothing like touching, stretching, messing with the dough before it goes into the depositor, before it goes into processing. And that's something that just has to be done mm -hmm. to be successful. Do you think that it's possible to get those young bakers who are just coming in and want to push a button to really get them interested in that? to get them to want to have a relationship with the dough? You know, I, I think it is. I think there's a way to do that. I haven't come up with it yet, um, but I was once explaining the importance of education to a baker, and they came back to me and said, no, it's science, and it's up to the equipment manufacturers to fix it for us. They need to make it more scientific. And I kind of brushed that off to say, no, that's an excuse for not doing the training. But I've since put more thought into that, and I wondered how can our equipment suppliers help us understand the art and the science of baking in real practice? And it's something Sean and I talked about at the EBA video that we are audio that we did. But you know, what have other industries done for that? What what what? How have they addressed it? You know, I had a car once that showed a fault on the computer, and when that fault showed, the car wouldn't run very well. 
I never figured it out because it never occurred when I took it to the shop, obviously. But finally, finally, the technician was able to run the code and they found out the gas cap was loose. Hmm. Sometimes it would be tight, sometimes not. Now, of all the things, the gas cap was loose. So what did they do to idiot proof something like that for me? I just bought a new pickup and guess what? It's got no gas cap on it. You just put the nozzle in and put the gas. Right, in. right. So what did they do? Did automotive did automotive automotive engineers find a way to fix the problem, or did they just eliminate the source of the problem? You know, if we look at this, and Sean and I talked about this a little bit in the in the uh, EBA piece, but why not show the baking curve on an oven panel that looks like a video game? Why not show what's going on in the oven on a screen? So they can look at it the way they're used to looking at things. Why not make it interactive that way so it becomes something that they're used to doing? Yeah. We, we know we've got, you know, kids that are on these computers all day long, day and night. Uh, you know, they have friends that do that with them. Why can't we have someone somewhere helping troubleshoot this the same way they're gamers with their games on the, on the, uh, on the computers? So... I, there's no way to replace the actual touch and feel of the dough. Um, but we can start to teach them even through video. I think video is a huge opportunity for us to go. YouTube may be a huge opportunity, mm -hmm. but they need to do it over and over. And how can they share that learning with each other? You know, I think there's a different sense of, of learning. Obviously, we know that with the new generation. But how do we get that point across to them? Um, and I don't, I, I'm not sure yet, but there's a lot of things that uh, uh, we need to look at. A uh, lot of bakers are, uh, you know, mourn the plight of their employees. They look to others for answers, yet they ignore that education that's been available to them for 50 years. And sometimes I just don't get that. So do you think there's an opportunity for the young ones to teach the vets a couple of things as far as adopting some of this technology and using it to their advantage? I, I, I try to listen to those uh, young folks and watch grandchildren and see how they learn what they do. I mean, it's amazing. Years ago, my grandson, he said, I've got to do my homework. And I said, where are your books? And he just looked at me funny. <laughs> what do you mean by books? <laughs> I said, well, how do you do homework? You know, right here on the computer. What? <laughs> I, that was so foreign to me. I couldn't understand it, you know, but that's their learning. That's how they do it. Um, I've learned almost everything hands on and watching. You know, I didn't like to read books. I didn't like to do those things. I just like to get in and help. So for them, it's a totally different learning experience. And again, I think they need to see the graphical representation of what they're doing. So instead of, as an old timer would grab the dough and pull it apart, perhaps now we can develop a small machine that pulls the dough and shows the elasticity, just like a video game. And they've got to get it right. So interesting area in which we're going. And of course, you know, 50 years ago, they were talking about the same thing, Joni. They were talking about our generation and how they were, how we were going to learn. So Exactly. I mean, it's a generational thing. And it's why I really do try to avoid using the word millennial, because it's a new thing to put a name 
with the generation. I don't think that it's necessarily finger quote the millennials that are coming in and and changing everything and so it was a little jarring to hear these conversations like what are we going to do about the millennials the millennials are coming but really it's just there is a gap in the generation and the generation before us was trying to figure out what the heck they were going to do with us right no question about it and I look at that with my grandson. I think, okay, I, I as an old person, use the term yuppie. He's in yuppieville. Um, <laughs> you know, others will call it millennial. Others will call it whatever it is. But he's my grandson. All that aside, he's my grandson. You know, he's got a good job. He's got a career. And and he can think for himself. We started to talk about some of the issues today, and I, and he looked at me kind of funny, and he said, what, Grandpa, don't you like it when somebody disagrees with you? And that's that old standard reply that these kids have anymore with you. Well, you don't like it when I disagree. And I just said, I love it when you disagree, but give me the facts. You know, discuss it with me. Don't get emotional about it. And he just smiled and he said, I agree with you. <laughs> so I knew all was not lost with that kid when he said that. So he was just testing me to see if I was known. <laughs> and that's a good thing, I think. Absolutely. Absolutely. So. Do you think that it's possible to have a magic combination of old school ways and new school um, to come together and carry on that art and science of baking? We better find it, Joni. <laughs> we need to do it. And uh, and I, I plan to stay active and see what I can do to help that. But um, it's a combination. I, I believe it's certainly a combination of understanding the science more and making more fun of the art that's out there, making it more real to the employees that will be doing it in the future. Definitely. So then my last question is, what would you say is the most important aspect of the baking process that will always remain, regardless of if it's automated or how it's automated? What, what is going to be that common thread that will never go away? One word consistency, consistency, consistency. Just like real estate is location, location, location. Every class I've taught before the class is over, the mantra from all of them is, are you saying it needs to be consistent? And my answer is always yes. We introduce enough variables into the process that we can't afford to introduce more with the human touch. So we need to eliminate as many of those things as we can. But variables, inconsistencies are what cause our own problems so often. Just like the man that cheated when he went to break by making dough ahead of time, he found a way to do it, and that affected everyone on the line. They all knew it. They all disliked it. They didn't like to go back and change all the settings, but they also knew they couldn't do anything about it because that's what he was doing. So if they made it more consistent through the process, everybody's life would be easier. Right. I'm glad you mentioned that because next week we are going to take an in-depth look at that and talk about troubleshooting the baking curve and managing those variables beyond the oven. And uh, I love what we called it. We call it achieving what you can't see. So uh, that sounds a little bit cryptic, but I think there's a lot to learn. So I'm really looking forward to next week's conversation. 
Dave, this has been really helpful. Um, I know it's one of your favorite topics to discuss the knowledge transfer and you have so much to offer. And I really appreciate your time in talking about what we can do to carry this amazing industry into the future. No question. It's fun. I want to help people have fun doing it. And just a reminder that if any of our listeners have any questions for Dave, our final episode is going to be Dave answering those listener questions. So you can reach out to info at avantfoodmedia.com. That's info at avantfoodmedia.com and submit your question and Dave will answer those on our final episode. Dave, I will talk to you next week. See you then, Joni. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Troubleshooting Innovation Podcast. And a special thank you to our sponsor, Reading Bakery Systems. For more information on RBS and its industry-leading baked snack solutions, visit ReadingBakery.com.